Hey friends, welcome to the Axiom Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us and check out our episode. Um, this is a space where we post our, our Sunday sermons and occasionally we have discussions and conversations regarding life in this community and following Jesus. So thank you for listening and please engage us on our website axiomchurchaz.com or on any of our social medias. We'd love to hear from you. Take care. All right. May the peace of Christ be with you. Hey, thank you. And welcome to Sunday School. We are revisiting classic Bible stories together. Eric got to do one. Denise did one. I'm doing one. And a few others are picking their favorite stories. Today I'm going to be teaching on Daniel and the lion's den. I'm pretty pumped on that. I realized I'd actually, in like 15 years of being in ministry, I've never taught on this text. And so you guys get it for the first time here Uh, Please don't throw me in the lion's den if it doesn't go so hot. Uh, We'll see. So here's the deal, though. I do love the Old Testament, and and I'm curious, what are some of your favorites? If you were going to teach on a classic, and maybe not just the Old Testament, it could be a classic, right, from the New Testament as well, but what would you pick? Just shout it out. I want to hear it. And Job, all right. Yeah, like like first chapter or chapter 45, you know, like where, where in Job? There you go. All right. Right when it gets nice and sweaty. Yeah. That's how I like to describe Job. What, what else? Jonah. Any other Jonahs in the house? Yeah, we all like Jonah. We all like Jonah. David and Goliath. I've never heard that one. What else? Joseph. Joseph? I heard Noah and Joseph at the same time. It's good. Good. Yeah, all good stories, all good classics. And what I love about the classics is that they, they help us relate. They help us. We see ourselves in these stories, right? We, we, and in fact, one of the hermeneutics, the way of interpreting Scripture, if you will, a one principle of it is that you need to look for how does this connect and speak to you. That's a part of it. It's not the whole of how you do interpretation, but it's one piece of it. And we do that in life too, right? Like when you're going through life and having different experiences, you're kind of asking yourself, how does this relate to me when you're trying to connect with other people? How does this relate to me when you're facing an event or some kind of thing? You have to kind of go, where am I at in this story? Where am I at in this experience? Does that make sense that we all, we all do that? But the second piece that I want us to approach the classics and life with, for that matter, is not just to see where do I fit into this story, but where does Jesus fit into this story? And that's the question that we don't always move towards. But we have to look at each of these stories and go, not, is it what, not what did Jesus do, but what is Jesus doing through this? So in life, as you're facing things of various kinds, are you pausing long enough, reflecting long enough to ask yourself, where is Christ in this story? What is he doing? Not just where am I at, but where is he at? And that's, that's a, a principle that we bring into these stories, especially when we get into the Old Testament. It's important that we ask 
those questions. I, 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 and I, I think the Old Testament's really helpful looking at ourselves because it's such a picture of the human condition. I mean, really, when you go like from Genesis all the way through the prophets, what we continue to see over and over is this like story of God's people and, and the human nature that they that they, they're in. I mean, it's, it's real life. It's real life. And so there it is on display. And, and we're given these stories to help us make sense of who our God is and who we are in light of who He is. And that's really important too. So I'll give you an example. You get, you get into uh, post-Deuteronomic history and you're in the Garden of Eden and you're hearing this story about these people that got kicked out of the garden. But what's happening in human history is that at that time is they're getting kicked out of a nation. They're getting kicked out of a place, right? And so they're trying to make sense of who is their God and who are they in light of who God is. And so they tell this story to help them see it. Now that story has many other meanings and implications, that's kind of how we come to make meaning through the text. And so where is Jesus in this moment? Where is Jesus in this season or story? But also, where are we? Where do you see yourself? These are key things. Now, because this is Sunday school, I thought I would bring the, the, you know, the, the picture book and read the story to you guys. Is that okay? Is that super weird? It's a little weird on the scale of weird 1 to 10. Where am I at? Six, perfect. Just like Ryan Gosling. All right. All right, so here it is. Daniel in the lion's den. <clears throat> Do you have any habits? Maybe you sing in the bath or twiddle your thumbs or stick your finger up your nose. Yuck. This is a story about Daniel and his habit. It was a great habit, but it was a habit that got him into a lot of trouble. Daniel knew God, the real king of everyone and everywhere. Daniel loved God very much, so three times a day, Daniel knelt down by his window and he prayed. Prayer is talking to God. We can talk to him anywhere, anytime, and about anything. What a wonderful habit. How could that get anyone into trouble? You guys enjoying the story so far? Good. Daniel worked for Darius, the super-powerful king of Babylon. Daniel was so good at his job that the king wanted him to run the whole kingdom. But the other people who worked for King Darius didn't like Daniel, and they didn't like the God he prayed to. So they decided to get Daniel into trouble with the king. There was just one problem with their plan. Daniel had done nothing wrong, nothing but then they thought of something. They could use Daniel's habit to get him into trouble. Daniel's enemies got King Darius to make a new law. It said that for 30 days, no one was allowed to pray to anyone except the king. And if anyone broke the law, they would be thrown into a den full of huge, hungry lions. Oh no. What would Daniel do? If he obeyed the king of Babylon... He would stay safe. But if he obeyed God, the real king of everyone and everywhere, and would keep praying, then what did that mean? Well, it meant that Daniel would be lion food. Safety or lion food? Which would Daniel choose? Daniel's enemies crept up to his house and looked up at his window. Daniel was praying. They caught him. The plan had worked, so they rushed back and told the king, 
Daniel was about to become lion food. King Darius tried and tried all day to find a way to save Daniel, but he couldn't. Even the king wasn't able to change the law. So when the sun went down, Daniel was taken to the den of huge hungry lions and thrown in. I hope your God can save you, said the king. Roar. Can I get a good roar out there? That's good. A big, this is getting weirder. A big stone was rolled across the mouth of the den, and everyone went to bed. But the king couldn't sleep. He tossed and turned, turned and tossed all night long. In the morning, he rushed back to the den. Daniel, has your God been able to save you from the lions? Asked the king. And then he listened. A voice came from the den. Yes, O king, I am not hurt. God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth. God saved me because I had done nothing wrong. Nothing. Daniel was lifted out of the den, and there wasn't even a scratch on him. Daniel had trusted God, and God had saved Daniel. Then, because King Darius was such an important king, he wrote to all the people in all the countries and all the world, and he said this, Daniel's God is the living God. He is the real king of everyone and everywhere. Now and forever, he saves his people. Amen. Now, how many of you heard that story before? Once or twice? That's also my first time reading from a children's book. That was fun. I'm a little bit winded, but that was fun. Now, I, I invited you to think about where are you in that story and to think about also where is it that you see Jesus. And, and when I read this story, and I read it a few times this week, there was a question in there, a moment, a turning point moment for Daniel when he had to ask the question, do I choose Safety or to be lion's food? Which choice does Daniel make? Lion's food. He doesn't choose safety. Now, this last summer, I'll share this story real quick. I went to South Dakota with my family for a reunion, and uh, I had a choice to make on whether I was going to sit by the nice fire and enjoy a cold one or take my kids out on the paddle boat on the lake, okay? I chose the paddle boat, by the way. And we go out on the paddle boat, and there's, there's all three of my kids and me. It's a four-seater, you know, real nice uh, foot pedal boat, okay? No engines required. And as we get out to the furthest distance where we're going to turn around, at that moment, two spiders, each about that big, decide to crawl over the, the front of the boat. The bow? The bow? Is that the bow? I don't know. The front of the boat. Okay. Um, who here enjoys spiders? A few of you like spiders. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You should have been on the boat. Uh, the thing about a paddle boat, it's not very big. Uh, there's not a lot of place to escape to. And my kids don't like spiders any more than I do. And so as these two large spiders come over and we're at the furthest point from dock, I have to f somehow keep my children calm and paddle this thing, which has never paddled slower in its life at this moment, all the way back to the dock. But my kids are freaking out and I'm screaming because I'm freaking out. <laughs> 
And they all decide at the same time as the spiders literally start to have a race together to, towards my children. So my kids decide they're going to stand up on this little paddle boat and all come over to where I'm sitting because somehow I'm going to save them from the spider. But what they don't realize in doing this is that this little paddle boat of ours is beginning to be very leany-ish. And my rear end is starting to get wet from the water. So I'm panicking because I got to figure out how to get them to sit down and not get the boat to tip over. (coughs) Do I choose water and drowning or spiders? Clear choice, drowning. (laughs) Except I love my kids. And there was no safe option in this moment. There was no choice of safety. It was just screaming in spiders or swimming in the lake. And I did my best. I I calmed them down as best I could. I yelled at them with my scary voice, said, you have no choice but to sit down. And you kicked that spider in the face if it comes, you know, as best it could. And we got back and we were okay. And the spiders did not survive. (laughs) But we did. Now, I share that story because we all get to places where we have to make a choice. We all get to spaces where we're going to have to wrestle with this issue of comfort and safety. And for some reason, we try to insulate life in such a way that we never have to make those decisions. We think that life is a place where of leisure and paddle boat. We think there's not going to be spiders, or in this case, lions. But that's not life. You can't pick that life, because that life doesn't exist. Think about it. Life is a, it's a deadly game. You are all going to die in this life, each and every one of you. There's no, nothing you can do to not have to face that at some point in some way. And along the way, you're going to have many moments where you have to face many kinds of fears and many kinds of things. That's just reality. The world is a dangerous place. And we don't get to make the world safer. You see, no one is spared from the lion's den. Nobody is. Not even Daniel. Daniel was not spared from the lion's den. He still had to go in. And the same is true for us. We must learn that. Unfortunately, we try to live our lives as if that's not true. We do everything in our power to mitigate danger, to be comfortable, to be safe. Some of us are so afraid of our own existence that we organize our life to exist as little as possible. Some of us, the most terrifying thing is our own shadow. Just getting up in the morning has become scary. The the awful irony here is that living in fear is just another way of being devoured by the lion. And that's not life either, is it? So whether you run from fear or you face your fear, you'll have to confront the lion. 
It's in life. It's in life. So what does Daniel do as he is confronted with this reality that there will be lions if he chooses to be faithful and to pray? And this is your memory verse for the week, by the way, Sunday school memory verse. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, he says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, okay, he learned that the law was so, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Daniel doesn't change course in the midst of impending suffering of real-life consequences, Daniel voluntarily chooses to be steadfast, to be consistent, to be faithful, to pray. With the knowledge of death, Daniel didn't choose safety. He didn't even pray that he would be spared. He didn't shut the window. He didn't choose not to go upstairs. He didn't turn from Jerusalem. No. He chose to three times go up the stairs, face Jerusalem, and continue to pray. He got down on his knees three times and prayed. But he didn't just pray. It says he gave thanks to God just as he had done before. Now, just hold this for a second. In the face, in the same face of danger that every one of you is going to have to face in life at many junctures in many different ways, Daniel chooses to be consistent, to give thanks, knowing what was coming. This is remarkable. This is the kind of person who has something that the afraid person doesn't have. And it's not that being afraid is bad. That's not what I'm teaching us here. It's that we might have confidence, our confidence in God should be greater than our fears in the world. They should outweigh your worst nightmares. And you need to think about that. What are your lions? Name your lions. And is your fear of those things greater than your confidence in God? Because we only get that confidence by facing our fears, not by running from them. You see, think about it. What happens when you run from your fears? They chase you. They chase you. And they grow bigger. So not confronting the thing is never going to be the option in the end. Eventually, you will have to face the thing. But you don't have to face it alone. And that's what Daniel knew. 
that it didn't matter how dark, they're going to roll that stone over there. There's going to be hungry lions down there. I'm going to be thrown into impending doom. I mean, my God. Guess what? You're getting eaten by lions tonight. But Daniel knew that in the midst of whatever kind of suffering he might face, that he could trust in God. And this is where we have to ask the next question. Not, what do I do, but where is Jesus in this? If we're going to overcome this, we have to ask this question. Where's Jesus in the story? Not just where do you see yourself? Well, think about it. Daniel had enemies who wanted to get rid of him. Does that sound familiar to you guys? Daniel was also innocent, had done nothing wrong. Does that sound familiar to you? His enemies had to convince the king to have him killed. Does does that sound familiar at all? In the face of knowing death was coming, both prayed. Neither were spared from the lions, though. But both were victorious in it. There's no promise that you are going to be spared from the den, but you might be spared in the den, in the place that you're most afraid of. God, our story tells us this over and over again. God meets us in our worst nightmares. So it's not that we're running to face our fears. It's that we're running to be close to God. To be with him. When we look at Daniel and Jesus, we don't see the one who is safe. We see the one who suffers and is persecuted. They voluntarily confront their sufferings. They don't flee from it because they don't have to. And while they weren't spared from the lion's den, Daniel wasn't, and he was spared in it, that's where our faith comes in. That's where we get to make a choice because Jesus offers us this choice. We have the foreknowledge that Jesus invites us to pick up our fears. He uses the language of cross. Pick up your murder weapon. Pick up the thing that's going to end you. You see, there's great beauty in that statement because he's telling you to be stronger than the thing that's going to kill you. Pick it up. Hold it. Carry it before it carries you. See what Jesus is revealing to us? That in him you have a strength that perhaps we didn't have before. Because he's prepared a way for us. He's already done it. And so we can do it too. I want to invite us to take a time of silence together and to just consider for a moment what is the cross that I need to pick up? 
What's the lion that I need to confront? And I invite you to just take a minute with that, talking to Jesus. And then go to that place and meet him there. Let's do this now. I'm going to lead us into this silence with a prayer. There will be a time of silence, and I'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I invite you now to provoke in us an image, a picture, a reminder of the thing that we're most afraid of. Help us to face it. Give us courage right now, Jesus. Give us strength right now, Jesus, to name the thing, to look it dead in the eyes, and to begin to move towards it, knowing that you are there waiting.